following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Hey friends, we are back for the Going Deeper conversation with Dr. David McDonald and Jill Devine regarding the conversation we had about why did Jesus have to die? That's a a core part of what we believe as Christians, that Jesus did die and rise again. And Jill was taking notes. Jill, what questions do you want to throw out? Well, I first want to say that, you know, there's always somebody that you can listen to and you want to hear more from. There's just something about their voice. There's just something about the delivery. And David, that is you to me. Like I am listening to you and I don't even know you. And I'm like, I want to hang out and I want to learn more. (laughs) I appreciate you coming on. And typically how this works is I kind of go in order of the questions that I wrote down based on the timeline of conversation with you and Laura. And you were talking about Jesus being aggressive, being funny, being tender. And one of the things that I have struggled with while reading the Bible is this whole demanding or commanding or stern kind of talk. It I'm one of those like, say, please say, thank you. Use your manners. And so sometimes when I'm reading, I'm thinking, surely that is not what Jesus was saying or how he said it. And then I also have to remind myself, and this is because of the podcast too, that interpretation is everything. But it made me realize like, yes, there were times, there are times in the Bible, like he had to be stern and I don't know, for someone that's new to reading it, do you have any advice on that, like how to take away some of those moments and, and or how to look at them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I think it's really helpful to, to consider that you're, you're reading a screenplay or okay. like a script for a Shakespearean play or something like that, you know, because that, that helps you kind of envision that you're, you're watching a scene play out, you know? And so, so in context of that scene, the 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 characters, the setting, the you know dramatic ironies, the tension, th- then a lot of Jesus' uh, more uh, uncomfortable sayings m- make a lot more sense. I mean, when you watch TV, people don't say please and thank you all the time. Like nobody's Canadian on television. Nobody, nobody's super. <laughs> Nobody's, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Nobody qualifies everything they say with, you know, hey, this is just my perspective and, you know, please don't be offended because it makes for really boring television. Similarly, in the ancient world, writing was just a very different craft than writing is now. I mean, there's no J.K. Rowling from back then. Instead, you've got very few people writing very few books comparatively. And so when they write them down, you, you have to pay attention to what they're, they're, 
their intent is. And in the case of the Gospels, you know, all the credible stories that we have about Jesus, they, they just want you to know this is how this guy interacted with these people. And these are the kinds of things that he said. And if you take Jesus' sayings out of their dramatic context, they, they can be really um, harsh and, and silly sometimes. You know, like when the lady says uh, she wants Jesus to heal her. And he, and he says, uh, you know, I came to feed the lost sheep of Israel, not not the dogs. And she says, but even dogs get crumbs from the table. Um, you, you can't read that as a modern day person and come away with anything other than the impression that Jesus is a jerk, that he hates women, that he's, you know, misogynistic and possibly racist. I mean, like, what the heck? But but you got to put it in context. And you got to understand that that the ways in which Jesus is engaging people tend to be much more um, playful, and that we have no record that that woman became offended. And, and we know when we study kind of the words that Jesus was using, and we we do our, our homework, our lexical work, you know that he's not giving the kind of insult that we would interpret today. I mean, there's like two thousand years between him and us, so they don't have the same idioms, they don't have the same insults, they don't have the same cultural references and sets. I mean, so you got to put yourself in their shoes in their time, and when we do, we we realize that Jesus is making um, jokes about like the kind of jokes that children would make about family friends and family pets. Now, that, again, that doesn't make a ton of sense to us because we don't have a good cultural parallel, but, but our job is not to have it all make sense to us in our life. Our job is to go back and read it in their lives and understand how they understood it and then try and apply it to our lives. So here, what you come with is Jesus is being playful and, and impish, and this woman is better at it than him. And he's so charmed by her response that he ends up giving her exactly what she wants. And and there you go, like, that was a really cool exchange. That, that shows a, a humility on the part of Jesus. And, I mean, he, he lost the game of one-upsmanship. How amazing is that? How amazing is it that Jesus lost something? That's so cool. And, and the fact that his followers told that story and that story was celebrated tells us about the culture of their friendship. It tells us about the values that they all shared together, that that this isn't about, you know, making Jesus um, into something he's not. This is about showing Jesus as he was and loving him for who he was and what he did and then embodying that love moving forward. And that kind of playful humility um, is something sadly missing in our churches today. So, so when we go in and we, we study Jesus, we learn from Jesus, we kind of get the, the opportunity to understand what Jesus was like in his world, in his time, then we realize there's lots of growing that we can do now in our world, in our time, to have that same spirit. Well, I feel like we need that, what you just said, either transcribed or always with every single Bible for any person who's new. <laughs> like if you're new, listen or read this first so that you know, because it could turn someone off. And, oh, sure. and that's my concern. Like when, you know, I, I think of that. So now in this podcast, being able to hear from people like you and just anytime I start to question that, I, I go back to thinking, okay, context, Jill, context. Yeah. Um, the other thing that when Laura was asking you about your personal relationship or how you felt Jesus was to you. I, I know you said that you're happier, you're more fulfilled uh, based on learning about him. And that's how I'm starting to feel like there's this thing inside of me. Like right now, I, I just used this word the other day with, with my boss. I said, I'm like, I'm 
fired up. I'm starting to understand what the parables mean. Like I'm starting to get these things. I'm starting to feel more positive. And of course I have my dark days and my down days, but now I'm learning to turn to my faith, turn to Jesus, turn to God. And like, it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of resources available to us in, in the scripture. I mean, we read the Bible, we live in the Bible a little bit. We ruminate on these stories of Jesus. We, you know, sometimes we memorize them. And I like to think of all that stuff is like, it's like spiritual nutrients, you know? And and then when you, when you find yourself in a, a, a season of adversity, or when you find yourself heartbroken or abandoned or betrayed, then, then all those spiritual nutrients, they, they come to the fore, you know, these ingredients inside of your soul start to really, um, you know, inoculate you against the, the full measure of, of hurt that, that life can provide. And, and that's really encouraging. This is, you're just like, wait a minute, this thing used to, would have clobbered me, bad breakup with a boyfriend, losing my job, failing an exam, whatever that thing used to devastate me. But now because of the, because of what I've received from the scripture, because of what I've experienced in prayer, um, I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Well, let's, go into the question of why did Jesus have to die? I don't, you know, honestly, this it may sound weird. I don't have a lot of questions about that particular question. I have questions about what you were talking about with him growing up. First of all, um, how long, I don't know if it was you or Laura, but how long did we say that he was doing ministry before he did die? About three years. Okay. And then do we know how old he was when he died? We think we think he was about 33, maybe as old as 36. Okay. So you were talking about how he grew up. You said that he grew up in this small town that was poor. I'm totally paraphrasing. And I kind of like blanked out a little bit because I was going back to when he was born And there was the star and the wise men and all of this shebang. (laughs) And then that's it. Like they left and he just started growing up. That's confusing to me. <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, the story of the stories of Jesus' birth are really, really super cool. Um, but you know, remember, all the all the stuff around his birth happened in Bethlehem, um, which, which okay, was, that's Joseph's uh, family's town. But pay attention to this. I mean, you know, Mary Mary is pregnant, and uh, and she travels with Joseph to go to his town, Bethlehem. It's a several day journey. Who in their right mind wants to travel when they're pregnant on right. camelback? Like, right. why, why didn't Mary stay home in Nazareth? That's a really important question. Now, now we know later, and from historical record, but the Gospels tell us, you know, there's this reputation about Nazareth. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We know that the Nazarenes were sort of a mean-spirited people. They were they were very devout, which also meant they were very rigid in their application of Torah. So, so imagine the most sort of uptight, joyless, religious conservatives that you know today, and that's a fair parallel for Nazareth. Now, among those religious conservatives, they would look very literally at some of the injunctions in the Old Testament about shame. 
and and they would look at the ways in which those laws have been applied over the last several thousand years within the austere Jewish community, which means if you get a teenage girl pregnant outside of marriage, in all likelihood, they would have wanted to do an honors killing because that was such a, a profound shame to their family, to her parents, and to their community. So why did Mary not stay home when she was that close to giving birth? Uh, she was probably afraid for her life. Now, may, maybe that's overstating it. I don't think it is. I think we can make the historical case for that. But maybe that's overstating it. But at the very least, she doesn't want to be home with all these people who hate her and are going to call her you know, all kinds of terrible names because she's been, quote unquote, fooling around. She, she wants to get out of her town. And so she goes with Joseph. That's where all the cool stuff happens, you know. Um, and then and then eventually Joseph, Mary, and, and the baby Jesus, they, they go to Egypt for a couple years because they're scared. So when Mary and Joseph and Jesus finally come back to Nazareth and he grows up, they'd been gone for, well, probably long enough for the, the religious community to tone it down a little bit. And Joseph had a great reputation. So Joseph showing up would have had a would, would have provided a buffer for Mary and Jesus. But nevertheless, this illegitimate son of Joseph is he's not going to have a good time growing up. They don't know about the the shepherds and the wise men and the star. They don't care about about what all these supposed stories are about Jesus. They just think he's um, somebody that doesn't matter. You talked about the temple tantrum. Since I am new to the Bible, where is this in the Bible? Oh, it's in uh, at least two of the Gospels. Like, like you could Google it. You know, it's, it's commonly called uh, Jesus overturns the tables in the temple. Um, temp- temple okay. Is, is our colloquialism, you know, a funny way of saying it. But what, what happens is he goes he, he goes to the temple and he sees that the, the temple authorities are extorting money from the poor. So around Passover time, there was a huge demand for for sacrifices, Um, sometimes, you know, goats, sometimes doves um, and and, you know, whatever the normal prices were for those things, sometimes doubled and tripled around Passover time. So people were going to the temple to make an offering. Sometimes they'd bring their own goat or their own doves and the temple authorities would say, hey, sorry, that goat you brought from home isn't good enough. You're going to have to use a temple goat. Well, how much is a temple goat? A temple goat is three times as expensive as it used to be. And they go, what? And furthermore, you got to use temple currency. You can't use your little podunk small town currency. So you got to get your money changed into temple currency. Well, how much is that going to cost? Well, there's a fee depending on how much you you know need to get changed. So they get, the people are getting screwed left, right, and center. They're getting screwed in the exchange rate. Then they're getting screwed in the purchase of the animals. And Jesus goes, enough, enough. This, this is grotesque. And he flips over the, ta- the tables and he makes a whip out of a bunch of nearby cords and he starts beating the people who are extorting the poor. Now, that's what I mean when I say Jesus is, he's angry. He is aggressive. <laughs> and honestly, if you're poor, that's exactly the Jesus you're hoping for. Well, yeah. Uh, he's like on your side. Yeah, because he knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to be exploited. He knows what it's like to have the people who have power and control use that power and control to dominate and humiliate you. And he goes, as God's representative, no way, not on my watch. Let's get this perfectly clear right now. Grace is free and God is here and you're not doing that anymore. Final questions, thoughts that I have 
And and this is when you were talking about towards the end, hey, Jesus could have been here for 50 more years, but people could have been complacent like his disciples. And so what I wrote down was, so did God intervene when he felt like it was needed, things were too much, and is that why Jesus was born and is that why Jesus died? Like at certain points, God was just like, okay, I, I, I'm i done and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the, because because we don't have we don't have any um, clear answers on that in Scripture, so everything is is really speculative. You know, like there's a sense in which you go, okay, like if things went off the rails in Genesis three in the Garden of Eden, if that's when sin enters the world and human beings are you know corrupted, why didn't God just send Jesus then? Like, think of all the heartache that would have been uh, resolved if uh, if God had come as Jesus, you know, to um, to Cain and Abel, um, uh, but I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why he didn't. And and it's not j- typically a question I ever ask myself. I, I think because I'm quite cynical. You know, like Jesus came and you know at the turning of the epoch, uh, and we still have all kinds of corruption. <laughs> we still have all kinds of hardness of human hearts, and we even have all that stuff within the followers of Jesus. I mean, the, the heart is deceitful above all things, and and every one of us has got darkness inside of us against which we wrestle. That's why Paul says, even the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I can't do because I've got this garbage inside of me. So I'm not sure it would have made any difference if Jesus came earlier. Uh, or or later for that matter okay yeah there's that that verse that says in the fullness of time or when the time was right jesus came into the world so god had some kind of plan yeah it it certainly doesn't seem random or haphazard uh it just it it just you know i don't i don't know what the uh i didn't see the the strategic game plan (laughs) you didn't you weren't part of that Well, thank you so much for your insight on this. Again, I just could listen to you all day and I really, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. My my pleasure. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. So what did you think? What did you think about this episode? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. You can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram at Normal Goes a Long Way also online, normalgoesalongway.com. If you think that someone could really benefit from this podcast, share it with them. Let them know what we're talking about. And maybe you have something that you want us to talk about. The best way to interact is to go to the website. Like I mentioned, normalgoesalongway.com or social media, Facebook and Instagram at normalgoesalongway.